welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and in this week's episode, I'm joined by Chagas Dry Stock Advisor, Joe Hand, to discuss how to maximise silage yield this year on your farm. But first, Joe outlines what factors influence silage yield. Well, there's a number of factors, Catherine, that uh, have a big effect on silage yield. Some of them, as you can expect, are going to be more important than others. Uh, the major one that I have found over the years, and we've done a bit of trial work on it, is uh, soil fertility. And when it comes to soil fertility, there's, there's about four different elements, there are five actually, that are important for growing a crop of silage. Uh, there's the lime status of the soil. Now, we know that. We've, we've been talking about that for years. And what that will do is it will release all the nutrients that are locked up in the soil uh, the, uh, to release all those that make them available to the plant. That's the first one. That, so that's the lime status. Second one then is the, the nitrogen. Um, to grow a crop of silage, on average, you need about 90 units or thereabouts of uh, nitrogen for a first crop of silage. Um, generally, we find that there's no great problem with that one there. Uh, third point there is uh, phosphate. And we find that there's often a shortage on the fertilizer programs that farmers employ uh, in the phosphate levels if you apply to grow the crop. And then as a follow on from that, and probably even more important, uh, is the potash levels, or this is decay in fertilizer. So if you take uh, O730, for example, a well-known fertilizer, the, the, the seven refers to phosphate and it's a percentage figure. And the K refers to potash, which, and again, it's a percentage figure. And then the final element that's important uh, for growing a crop of silage uh, is uh, sulfur. On average, we need about the equivalent of about 15 uh, units per acre of uh, sulfur, um, which is the equivalent of about 20 kilos per hectare of sulfur to grow a crop of silage there. Uh, they're the major factors. Now, there's also other things there that come into play. Um, reseeded crop is going to be more, um, uh, much more vigorous to grow and it'll produce an awful lot more in the first couple of years than an older crop. But I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with an older crop. We can still get very, very good results from it there. Um, avoiding uh, soil compaction, major help also. Uh, soil compaction usually comes in from two sources we have found to be the major causes of that. First one is uh, you can get compaction level in the soil about seven to eight inches down under the surface of the soil. That, a layer there gets compacted from the use of um, uh, slurry equipment when soils are just slightly too wet for going out with heavy slurry um, tankers and so forth. And also at a similar level in the soil, you can get compaction caused there by heavy silage trailers in a year where people are really trying to uh, get a quart of silage in poor conditions, poor soil conditions. So they're the major factors. The, the crop nutrients are, is number one, definitely, without any question there. Uh, and then the second one then is whether the crop is a new crop or an old crop. And finally then is uh, the, the level of um, soil compaction or avoidance of it. But of, the, of all those three factors there, uh, the soil nutrients, the crop nutrients that are applied to grow the crop is probably number one. It's the major influence there. 
most definitely, Joe. And you can see from what you've said there, really, the suboptimal soil fertility is a major issue. Can you explain how the soil P and K and the pH values impact and reduce on the yield or response of nitrogen fertilizer, as you mentioned, including in slurry? Yeah, uh, we can. Yeah. Um, phosphates uh, and potash, that's the 7 and the 30 in the 0730. Um, both of those have a big influence on it. And people often say to me, well, what's the difference between any of them? And, and they're all vir virtually the same. And the point about it is, it's not, they're not uh, the same, they're completely different. I'd compare it with um, a farmer uh, with his tractor on the farm. He puts diesel in the tank. He puts engine oil in the engine. He'll have oil in the gearbox and he'll have water in the radiator to cool it. And so you need four different products there to keep your tractor going. And you can't put diesel into the cooling system, it won't work. And you can't put water into the fuel system because that won't work either. So they're all needed to a certain level. And whichever element of the nitrogen, phosphates, potash, sulfur, and calcium, whichever element is most efficient, it's the one that's going to cause the greatest limit uh, on, on uh, production. And you can't compensate by having uh, higher levels of nitrogen to get over a level of phosphate deficiency or so forth there. They're the, the five elements that are involved in it there. Now, we have found from work that we did a number of years ago, and it actually it compares very, very closely to the work that Chagas has done working out the recommended rates for uh, soil fertility for growing silage. We have found uh, on a crop of silage a 30% increase in yield. And Catherine, that is 30%. It's a massive increase in yield just by getting the phosphates and potash and sulfur levels right uh, in a crop. That's excluding the lime status, just taking a field as it is. Uh, we found an increase uh, in uh, of 30%. And what that actually allowed, to, now we, we took measurements on the field um, about two years ago. Uh, and we found in the middle of May, 16th of May, we went out and measured the cross uh, and had a look at the crop of silage. And we found that parts of the field that had been deficient in phosphates and in potash were yielding 3.8 tonnes per hectare of dry matter. Now, that probably works out at about eight, seven, about seven new, uh, bales per acre for somebody that's making bales, whereas the part of the field that was topped up and got the adequate levels, the recommended levels of phosphates and potash. Uh, and we didn't vary nitrogen at all or sulfur or lime, just, just was just purely phosphates and potash. They were yielding five tons uh, per hectare of um, high quality silage. Um, so it, it indicates the importance of getting the phosphates and potash right on a crop of silage. And that kind of a difference in yield per hectare, Joe, what's the financial cost of that difference in yield on farm? Well, when we looked upon it there, um, we did a study uh, with Louise Pierce. Louise was uh, a master's student. She did, she did a Welsh fellow uh, on silage quality a few years ago. Uh, and what the, the major things we found there is if a crop of silage is, uh, is um, uh, poor, in the middle of May, and it's at the optimum time for growth. We looked to see what way farmers are going to react to that. So we, we geared it in, in to see how farmers will react to the situation. 
And the first thing we found there is uh, that farmers want, they want value for money. And I wouldn't blame them. They're dead right on that one. Uh, and what they meant by value for money was they wanted, as one lad said, we want a decent crop to cut, not, not a, a light crop with there's only a few bits of grass here and there. Uh, so what they generally meant by that was if you got a light crop or silage at the optimum time for cutting, which is about middle of May, they will let the crop grow on a few days longer uh, or even a week or even a fortnight later. Or plus, in, in extreme cases, you could get caught a week of bad weather, so it could go three weeks later so that they have a heavy crop of silage to cut. So the implications of a poor si uh, fertilizer program going on a crop meant that the crop was slow to grow and instead of having a heavy crop of high quality silage in the middle of May, there was a light crop uh, there that needed uh, another couple of weeks to get the quantity of silage to feed uh, cattle in the wintertime. And at that stage, the crop had gone quality wise, it had gone over mature. Uh, there's a lot of stem coming into it and stem in a crop of silage doesn't promote a weight gain on cattle next winter. So the net result, uh, Catherine, was when we start, if a crop of silage starts off with a deficiency of phosphates or potash, it won't grow as well as it should be. Uh, cutting is, is delayed. And then uh, a bulky crop of very low quality material is harvested later on in the summer, which is putting up a very poor weight gain on cattle in the winter time. And what we have found there, uh, and again, Chagas in, in grains have come up with the results on this one. We found uh, silage yields as low, or weight gain on cattle as, in, in winter, as low as 20 kilos of weight gain over the winter time, versus 75 to 80 kilos uh, recorded on farms for cattle uh, fed silage, high quality silage alone, no meals, just high quality silage alone uh, over the winter time. So the, the net result was a poor, Soil fertilizer program resulted in poor weight gain on cattle next winter. That's it in a nutshell, Catherine. I suppose, Joe, you've really touched on it there. It really comes back to the old debate of quantity versus quality. And what can farmers at the moment do now that are in a similar situation? A lot of silage ground has been closed. There is a fertilizer program gone. What's the recommended fertilizer program to meet these yields that you've highlighted there of the five ton per hectare yield? Okay, there's a number of things on it. The first of all there is, uh, now the, the, it's quite a complicated thing getting the silage, uh, the fertilizer program right on a silage crop, because the first thing that we need to look at there is the level of nutrients that are already in the soil. Now, we know from uh, results coming back from the lab um, that a lot of silage ground is very, very low as regards the level of phosphates and potash uh, that are presently in the soil. And to grow a crop of silage uh, at what we, what we would call index one soils, that's where the phosphates and the potash levels are way below where they should be. You need the equivalent of 30 units, 32 units of phosphate and 140 units of potash. Now, most of our soil samples are coming back and they're either index one, which is way below what they should be, or index two, which is just average. It's still not good enough. Um, so on average, you could say uh, crop, uh, what that effectively means for the farmer is 
if his silage fields are at index one, he needs the equivalent of about four and a half bags per acre uh, of 0730. And in kilos per hectare, that works out at about 550 kilos per hectare. So it's it's essentially a big bag of 0730 going out per hectare. Now, the management of the silage indicates that that's too much phosphates and especially potash uh, to be putting out in one dressing at this time of the year. So what we would recommend in a case like that is that a man, uh, a farmer, uh, he puts out the equivalent of maybe three, three and a half bags of uh, 0730 uh, at the moment. And as soon as the silage is cut, he tops up the soil to replace the amount of P and K that, that the crop has removed uh, by the equivalent of a further bag, bag and a half, just to get the equivalent of the four and a half bags uh, of, of uh, 0730 per, per hectare. Now, in index two level soils, which is some of our soils are coming back at index two, we're seeing more of those now over the last few years. Uh, again, it needs the equivalent of well in excess of three and a half bags of 0730 per, per hectare, or per, sorry, per acre, which is the equivalent of, of about 430 kilos per hectare of 0730. So it's slightly short of um, a full bag of uh, the 500, the large bags, 0730, slightly short of a large bag, one of those going out on a per hectare basis. Uh, and then if you get to index three level soils, which is where we really like to see all our soils, you can grow a crop of silage there easily with two and a quarter bags of 0730 per, per acre or about uh, 280 kilos per hectare of 0730. That'll give you an adequate crop. And you can apply all of that very early in spring, as soon as the, um, uh, sometime around late January, early February is fine for that stage. So, but as most fossils are coming back and are showing up a deficiency in either phosphates or potash, we need to go over and above the minimum levels there that I spoke about there. So on average, you need three bags per acre of 0730. And if your soils are deficient, you need to top that up. It really comes back to Joe having your soil samples taken and then matching the demand for the crop with your yes. soil samples. Yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell, Catherine, there. There's a few things there that are very important for growing it. And we, I like to see people doing soil samples uh, and following up on the recommendations there and applying the P and K. Unfortunately, uh, all too often I come across a case where soil samples are taken uh, an advisor gives recommendations are uh, there to the farmer and the farmer is a little bit skeptical about it or he just doesn't bother uh, applying the stuff. And what I would say there, I'd have absolutely no problem at all in people being skeptical about it. But I would lay down the challenge to them. And the challenge is quite simple. Apply the recommended rates on, on your fields, uh, on part of the field and leave part of the field where you don't apply the recommended levels. And then we'll see the difference to it. Then you'll see the difference to drop a 30% or 40% uh, between a heavy crop and a light crop. And by doing that, a farmer uh, will be able to, he'll be able to learn at first hand and see at first hand, the difference between recommended rates versus deficiency rates uh, will have on his, uh, on his business. 
I suppose, Joe, slurry is also a very valuable product on farm and a lot of farmers will be using slurry to make up this index one and two fertilizer program that you outlined. But it can also be a very variable product. Yeah, the problem I find with slurry, um, Catherine, is there's two, there's two problems with it. First of all, the quantity of, of uh, slurry that's on farms, a lot of farmers don't actually know how much slurry they have on them. And that's a great pity because when they were building their tanks, uh, they built them to a particular design. And by doing simple maths, we can figure out how much slurry uh, each tank holds on a farm. That's number one. So it's very easy to quantify how much slurry is on farms, but a lot of farmers fail to do that. Second thing there, as you said yourself, is the quality of the slurry varies enormously. Uh, in, in a case where it's heavily diluted by water, uh, a lot of farmers fail to take that into account. For example, if you get uh, yards and they're uh, being cleaned uh, and the wash water or soil yards, the, wash, the water that falls on those, the rainwater, the rainwater that falls on those has to be collected. And if that's collected in a slurry tank, that's going to dilute down the value of the, the slurry, the nutrient value of the slurry. Similarly, if dairy washings happen to be getting into a slurry tank, it's going to have a similar dilution effect coming in there. So again, each farmer must look at his own situation and make do his own calculations. But again, I find uh, if you get a farmer and he quantifies how much slurry he has and he quantifies how many acres or hectares he's going to spread that silage over, then he can figure out exactly how much, how many gallons or cubic meters have gone out on his uh, silage ground. And he can build that into his fertilizer program using uh, a worksheet that uh, Louise Pierce and myself developed in Chagas and Torles there recently. And this worksheet, Joe, this is available on the Chagas website so farmers can complete it for their own farm. It can, and it's available there. It's on the public website, and it's also available to all our advisors there to uh, follow up. It's an extremely useful tool. Um, I find at this time of the year, I, I mean, when I'm meeting farmers uh, for the area aid, I usually uh, have a discussion about fertilizer uh, that's gone out on the silage ground. And I'm finding even on exceptionally good farms, I'm finding that there's a deficiency, a typical deficiency there of the equivalent of about 40 to 50 units per acre um, of, about, of potash going out on farms. And it's only by using the worksheet that's, uh, that, uh, that the farmer can be uh, made aware of that type of situation there. But that worksheet is available on a public website uh, and it's an extremely useful tool to, to use just to correct this problem with soil fertility for silage quality. I'll include the link to the in the text of the podcast also, Joe, for that worksheet and farmers can complete it and discuss it with their advisor in align with their nutrient management plan for their farm. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of farmers out there and they have had soil samples taken for gloss and for different purposes. And then we have a number of people there that every year they come into us and they do, uh, they do or every, every third or fourth year they come into us and they'll do uh, nutrient, the new soils and so forth uh, analysis. And in addition to that, then we have people with irrigation. Uh, they have uh, up-to-date soil samples. 
Thanks very much, Joe. Great insight into the importance of applying the recommended rate of fertilizer to maximize the yield of silage on the farm. And I think it really comes back to what you mentioned with regard to the 30% increase in yield and improved weight gain of 60 kilos. That that weight gain, uh, additional weight gain there, uh, Catherine, is worth probably 35 to 40 euros per head that we've, we, we, uh, of cattle that we feed in the country. Uh, and again, it explains it pretty well uh, in the worksheet. And the, the reason for that there uh, is because the higher the quality of the silage, the less meals need to be fed, especially for Weanlands. And if you take a, a farmer would store cattle on his own, the higher the quality of the weight gain the more, or, or of the silage, the more weight is going to be put up uh, on the cattle over the wintertime, coming purely from resources developed within the farm itself there. So it's a, it's a win-win situation. And the, the other point we find there is um, for a farmer feeding 100 cattle, by delaying silage cutting from the optimum time, which is the middle of May, Every day that he waits is going to cost him 500 euros per day. It's a loss of income of over 500 euros per day, purely because to get the additional weight gain, he's going to have to win with additional meals. Uh, and meals have actually increased in price compared to when we were doing the, the figures on this thing. So it's even more now. Uh, and the other thing there is for, for a farmer that's not feeding meals, just feeding store cattle. Um, again, the uh, the loss in weight gain is uh, where uh, it's going to affect his pocket there. Thanks very much, Joe. Okay, you're welcome. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Joe for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie. Or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, Keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.